Amen. Amen. All of God's people said, amen. Amen. What a wonderful time of worship we've had. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Whether you're using a phone, iPad, computer, whatever you're using, let's grab a Bible, open it up. I'm so thankful. Our folks are worshiping at home. So good to have everyone here with us. Proverbs chapter 2. We are in a family series titled, This is How We Family. And so this morning, this is how we stay on path. Uh, my, my wife, on Mother's Day, she received a gift from our sons and daughters-in-law, daughters-in-law, and, and it's one of those digital frames. And so as, you know, the pictures scroll through, and we love that, and it sits on the kitchen counter so that whenever we're there in the kitchen, which is where we spend a lot of time cooking or cleaning or whatever it is, that frame is going on. And it's motion activated so that as soon as we walk in the kitchen, the first thing in the morning, this thing goes off. Well, here's the cool thing about it. You're going to be shocked to hear that about 90% of the pictures are of grandkids, I'm sure that surprises you. Uh, there are sons and daughter-in-law pictures, daughters-in-law pictures. Uh, there's pictures of Landa's mom and dad, picture of my mom and dad. Uh, but the majority of them are of the grandkids. And, and so then there's one more good thing about this. This digital frame can also play videos, even with sound. And so as it's scrolling through, some are just still pictures. But then every once in a while, a video will come through. And again, we love it because there's this one video. It's of our granddaughter, Addie. Her dad is Brandon. Her mom is Taylor. And there's this one video that plays, and I I want you to see it. I'm telling you, I could watch that thing a thousand times. I think I have. It just makes me laugh. It brings me joy. But I want to tell you one other thing it does. It just reminds me of the innocence of children. It reminds me of the innocence of our own grandchildren. And parents and grandparents, here's, I know, a prayer that we all have. And that is, Lord, I pray that our kids, our grandkids would stay on the path Lord, that they would stay on the straight and the narrow. Lord, I pray that innocence that they have right now as a child, that they would never lose that. And that, Lord, that granddaughter, grandsons, Lord, that they would stay away from sexual immorality. That, Lord, they'd keep on the path of sexual purity. Well, guess what? That's what Proverbs 2 is all about. This is how we stay on the path. And so open your Bibles with me. Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to read the whole chapter. And so stay with me. Boy, every word in there, I want want to give you some key words to start looking for right now. Key words of paths. You remember this, this sermon, this is how we stay on path. Look for the key words, paths, uh, ways, or another way that you'll see the word paths, ways. Uh, then there are three key words that we're going to focus the sermon around. But this is how we stay on path. Proverbs chapter 2. Here we go, starting in verse 1. My son, 
If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now start looking for these words. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discern, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is how we stay on path. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, bless your holy name. Lord, I can't do this without you. I need you, Lord. Please speak through me. Lord, every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit illumination to hear the words and to understand them. Lord, it is only the Holy Spirit who can guide the words into our heart and convict us of our sin and open up the areas of our life that we're holding back from you. So, Lord, we pray that today someone would trust Christ as Savior. We pray for recommitted lives. Lord, lead to our church family and call out. Out. And Lord, we pray for your will to be done. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So you heard the word paths and ways all throughout that whole chapter. This is how we stay on path. Three words that will help us understand how to do that. Here's the first key word, deliver. Deliver. Look again at verse 12 with me. Verse 12. Oh, my page turned. Verse 12, delivering you from the way of evil. All right, you see it there first. And then verse 16, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. All right, so in the way to stay on the path, there are two areas that are going to be extreme temptations all of our lives. Number one, one is to divert off the path of the straight and narrow into some other way of life. Instead of following the Lord, taking some other route, that's the first temptation that we're always going to have is to get off the path. The second one is to fall into sexual immorality. And so the scripture says you will be delivered from the way of evil. You will be delivered from the forbidden woman. All right. So who's doing this delivering? All right. So again, we've always got to go to the word of God. Back up with me to verse 6. 
For the Lord gives wisdom. He stores up sound wisdom. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And every step of the way, you will understand, even as you get down to verse 11, discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. And we think, so it's discretion and understanding that's delivering us. No, it always goes back to the Lord. God is our deliverer. It's what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 18, verse 2, for he is our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. As a matter of fact, not only is he our deliverer, but I want you to hear what the word means in the Hebrew. The word there means to rescue as in a rescue operation. It's the picture of someone who's being held hostage in a bank or a uh, terrorist holding someone in a building and the military or the police or, or, or the SWAT team, they move in and they rescue the person in the rescue operation in order to get them out. That is the very word picture that's being used here. As a matter of fact, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Greek translation is called the Septuagint. In the Greek translation, the word that is used there literally means to drag away. And so it's the picture of a soldier going into combat and grabbing a wounded comrade and dragging him out. Picture Private Desmond Doss in, in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Picture him going in and dragging out. That is what our God does. It's not that we go to him. It's that he comes to us and he is the deliverer. All right? Now, what's so key about that then to understand? Well, we want our kids, our grandkids to stay on the path. We want them to stay on the straight and narrow. We don't want them to go into sexual immorality. Well, if God then is the one who delivers us from the way of evil, if God is the one who delivers us from the forbidden woman, then that means the closer we get to God, the closer, the more chances we are to stay on the right path. Now, let me illustrate this. So all of us have been watching TV and we've seen, it's almost like a public service announcement that will come on and it, and it talks about parents, talk with your kids about alcohol. Parents, talk with your kids about drugs. Parents, talk with your kids about sex. And so it's encouraging parents to talk with kids. Boy, absolutely. That, that is really important. When we're having those conversations with our kids, it's going to be more likely that our kids will stay on the path and they're staying out of sexual immorality. But even more important than that is the conversations we have with God. It's our kids talking with the Lord, encouraging our kids to always go to him. It's us as parents and grandparents lifting our kids up to the Lord. It's why in the Lord's prayer, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, the very last phrase in the Lord's prayer, and deliver us from evil. It's the very thing that's being pictured here. Lord, help my kids I'm praying for them, and Lord, I'm going to pray for them every day. That frame, I'm telling you, it prompts us not only to smile and to laugh whenever we see those pictures, but Lord, help our kids to stay true to you. Lord, I pray that they will live for you. Lord, I pray that that innocence that they have right now, Lord, that they would keep that sexual purity all of their life. 
He is our deliverer. And so a quick point of application. Why is it then that we spend so little time taking our kids to church? And, and friends, listen, as, as a dad of boys who all played Little League Baseball, every time I, I, I bring this up, I'm convicted in my own heart because those, those extracurricular activities, please know they are important. I, I, they really are. They're good things for our kids to be involved in, to be involved in dance and singing and music lessons and and learning a foreign language and playing sports and all those things, those are really good things. But if a coach were to say to us, now, I would love to have your daughter on, on my team, and, and I, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to have three practices a week. Each one will probably be about an hour and a half, and then you can count on a couple of games on the weekend. We would actually think, huh, I think we can do that. Let's see, three times an hour and a half, that'd be four and a half hours, a couple of games a week, two or four, about eight hours a week. Yeah, I, th- I think we can make that work. Here at church, we're talking about a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, an hour on Sunday night, an hour on Wednesday night. And I want you to know that in staff meeting, as ministers, we actually say to one another, Well, you know, families are only going to give so much time to the church. Not nearly what society is asking of you. But even when we hear that little time frame, we think, ah, boy, I don't, I I think we can do Sunday morning, but boy, Sunday night and Wednesday night, that's, that's just a little much. We believe that God is the deliverer. We believe that. We believe that the closer we are to God, the more we call out to him, the more chances our kids are going to stay on the right path. And yet we spend so little time pointing to that. Parents, please hear this. It's not just keeping our kids away from evil. It's what we then point them to. It's not Private Desmond Doss dragging a soldier out of the battle and then just leaving him right there. Aren't you going to get me to where they can bind up my wounds? No, no, I got you out of danger, and now you're on your own. No, it's not just pulling them out. It's then what we point them to, deliver. Here's the second word that jumps out. It's the, it's the word words. In verse 12, we see it as speech. So look at it with me again. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Men of perverted speech. And then verse 16, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Well, isn't this interesting that the path, the, 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 the lure, the temptation away often comes in the form of words. Friends, I want you to know that's exactly what Satan has been doing from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And Satan is going to use words to get Eve off the path. And so I want you to know, please listen, three things that Satan says, and they are the same three techniques that your kids will hear from Friends are from someone who's trying to get them off the path. Here's the first thing Satan says. Did God actually say? 
did God actually say? And so your child or your grandchild, someone offers them something and they say, well, I, I, I believe that the Bible teaches that you're not supposed to do that. And that person says, oh, you know what? That's an old interpretation. That's not what God actually meant in that. God meant something different. And so you don't need to pay attention to the Bible. This is just an old, outdated book. Did God actually say? Here's the second ploy that Satan uses. First of all, he said to Eve, did God actually say? And then he said, surely you will not die. In other words, this isn't going to hurt you. It's the same. Folks, is this not ringing a bell with us? It's the same thing that happens today. Drink this. It's not going to hurt you. Smoke this. It's not going to hurt you. Ingest this. It's not going to hurt you. Have sex outside of marriage. It's not going to hurt you. It's the same technique used today. Then here's the third. Surely you will not die, but instead your eyes will be opened. And it's going to be the greatest experience you've ever had in your life. Did God actually say it's not going to hurt you, and instead it's going to be the greatest experience of your life? The same thing today. And so, folks, how do we make sure that the words that there's not a hunger in our kids, that they're not lured away by those words that are tempting them to turn. Well, look again at chapter 2. You remember the answer is always in Scripture. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words. And so parents, grandparents... It's us making sure that we're in the word of God so that when we're talking with our kids, they're hearing the word from us. It's making sure that we're pointing our kids to the word of God. And so the more that the word of God is in us, that lessens our appetite for hearing those other words, filling ourselves with his word. All right? Here's the last key word I want you to see, forsake forsake. Look at me. Look, look at me. Look at again, the word of God, verse 12, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness. And then verse 16, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth. And so here's the point. Don't leave the path of uprightness nor the path of marital unity. Two temptations that are going to be there. And, and boy, folks, as I introduce this point, please know that I know that there are marriages, there are couples who are struggling in this area, and I know that divorce is not something that anyone desires. And so please hear this. The scripture calls us as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. Do everything that you can to strive for marital unity because I know that in some couples, for some Christian brothers and sisters, divorce actually, they don't have any say in it. It's going to happen. And so as much as you can in the power of the Lord, strive for marital unity. Strive to stay on the path of uprightness. That word forsake there means to leave, to desert, to abandon. And so what the, what the writer of Proverbs is calling us to is don't leave the path of uprightness. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm not going to leave it for, for very long. I'm just going to Scoot off just for a little bit. 
I had two sisters that went to OSU and a brother that went to OU. And so I've gotten to go to games in both stadiums. And I, but one particular memory, we were walking into the OU stadium. It was just my dad and me. And, you know, you're in a big crowd of folks walking into the stadium. And I, I had my dad's hand. I was maybe seven, eight years old, had my dad's hand. And as a kid, you can move so much faster than the adults. I mean, it's just a given. Right? The adults, they're kind of moving like this. But as a kid, you can weave your way in and out. You can dart in and out. And so I thought, well, I'm going to get there a whole lot quicker. I'm going to beat my dad to the gate. So, boy, I pulled my hand away, and I start darting my way through. And I was making great time, but I was heading to the wrong gate. And so now I'm lost. And I want to ask you a question. Did my dad love me any less when I let go of his hand? No, not one bit. But his desire to protect me, I've now pulled away. He didn't leave me. Our God says to us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I left him thinking that I could do better on my own, I could make better time, I left him. And I've got to add one more word because, folks, I I always want us to be able to be in the world but not of the world. And so I want you to look again at chapter 2, and I want you to look at these paths. In verse 8, it says, guarding the paths of justice Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. Folks, there's a huge cry right now for justice in our world. And I want you to hear this. The Bible says God is the one who guards the paths of justice, which means the closer we get to God, the closer we get to true justice. Everyone hear that? The world is calling for justice. May it rise in us a call for people to come to God. Folks, as you're watching the TV screen and you're seeing all the stuff that's being played out right now, may it prompt us, Lord, may those people turn to you. May hearts turn to you because, God, they're wanting justice, but true justice is only found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who's impartial. He is the one, he is no respecter of persons. He's, not, he's the one who doesn't look at the outside of me. Every time I've gotten to go to Israel, you know one of the first things that strikes me is how God unfolded the whole story right there in Bethlehem. It was outside Jerusalem that Jesus died on the cross. It was there where he raised from the dead. And every time I'm there, I look around and no one looks like me. It's dark-skinned people with dark-colored hair, with dark-colored eyes. And it reminds me how thankful I am that God would save a white guy like me. Because it started in a dark-skinned world. And praise God, the Holy Spirit moved the gospel outside to where even someone like me could get saved. 
Folks, we can't be looking at the color of skin. We are to see people in the way God sees them. We are not to show partiality. I don't want us to to put more emphasis on what looks like a blatant disregard for property and overlook a blatant disregard for life. That's the key. And so, Lord, keep us on the path. May we follow you with all of our heart, our Heavenly Father. Lord, my prayer for children, grandchildren in this church, great-grandchildren, Lord, is that they would follow you with all their heart. Lord, my prayer for us as grown-ups is that, Lord, we would be an example, that, Lord, we would stay the path. Lord, I pray today if there's someone here who's never trusted you as Savior, that this would be the day of salvation. Lord, may your will be done in every heart. May hearts be recommitted to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.